good morning. We can do that again. Let's wake up a little bit at 9.30. Good morning. Man, it's good to see your bright and smiling faces. I want you to take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 4. If you're not sure what that is, basically take your Bible and turn to the middle, all right? Uh, and you're going to find Proverbs there, and there's also a handy-dandy table of contents there, as well as most of you have your phone, so you can just scroll, all right? Proverbs chapter 4, we're in part 5 of a teaching series called Tightening the Knot, all about relationships, all about tightening your marriage, encouraging people in their own relationships, encouraging you in your relationship with other people, and really what God's perspective is on that. And what's different about this teaching series is we're not giving you a bunch of tips and tricks to say, hey, apply this this, apply this, apply this, do your budget this way. We're taking a gospel perspective and funneling it down to see the practical applications of that. And it all begins with grace. When you're able to show your spouse or the people in your life grace, grace is then reciprocated. Give you an example. When you come, to, when your spouse comes to you in anger and you respond with kindness, that's grace, is it not? And that changes things. Now, showing grace is difficult. Because at times when people cut you off in traffic, you want to cut them off in traffic. We're a justice people. But in the core relationship of your life, which is Jesus Christ, he shows you grace when we don't deserve it. Instead of paying us back for the things that we do wrong, even against him, through Christ, he shows grace. And so this morning we would continue that process. Now, before we really dive into this, there's two things I want to mention. One, we're going to be baptizing about the third or fourth week in a row in the second service. Isn't that good? And what's so cool this morning is that we have a dad who's going to get baptized. Then he's going to get out and go to the back and baptize his daughter soaking wet. So I think that's really cool, don't you guys? And that's what it's about. The Lord has really been good to us with that. You guys keep sharing the gospel. Lives are being changed. But on top of that is people are growing in their faith through small groups, through individual accountability. And really, you can't have one without the other. Uh, if you've just been dunked and no growth afterward, I want to encourage you to find that place of growth and find that place to where you understand Scripture and you're applying it and growing your relationship with God. The second thing I want to mention are really twofold. One, uh, we have a new elder in our church, uh, and I don't mean old, okay? I mean the position of elder. We have five of them, and uh, our new elder is Brent McGee. I don't think he's in here, but you've met Brent. He's out in the, uh, there, there he is, back in the back. So Brent, wave at us. So if you have any problems, go to him. Um, that's what you do now. And uh, he, he's accompanied with uh, Ben Gomez, David Shields, and Aaron Watts. And Aaron led us in communion this morning. John Graham uh, rolled off. He was our elder elder, and Brent took his place. He is now our elder elder. Uh, in tandem with that, uh, Pastor Ron leads our Spanish-speaking congregation. And uh, he is uh, continuing to lead that congregation and doing a fantastic job with that. We're very grateful. He is no longer starting on March 1st ha handling pastoral care. We're going to be elevating that in our deacon ministry and other places on staff, but he's still the pastor of our Spanish-speaking church. Does that sound good to you guys? Bueno. All right. That being said, last week we finished, we finished our series on cultivating our relationship with our marriage, uh, or that message last week on cultivating our relationship with our marriage in Song of Solomon 2.15. And what was said there was basically this, is the wife looked at her husband because Song of Solomon is all about relationships, it's all about the marriage. And she said this, catch for us the little foxes. And what that means is, is in the vineyard of life, we have to protect our marriages, our relationships, our own self personally, and catch the foxes. Now, 
in ancient times, you'd have vineyards, and we talked about this last week. In the middle of that vineyard would be a watchtower, and the watchtower would look for the different animals and the pests that would come in, or even people that would come in to steal the produce. They'd also build big rock walls around it, but the foxes are clever little beasts, and they would find a way to sneak in, and they wouldn't go and attack anyone or really tear down a plant, but they'd take little bites until that plant rotted away. And that's what happens in the marriage relationship, right? It's not one, it's typically not one thing, it's little bites. And the point is, is you got to catch the little foxes. So last week we dealt about cultivating, and this week we're going to talk about protecting. God calls us to protect our relationship with himself, protect our relationship with each other in the body of Christ, as well as protecting that relationship within marriage. And so we're going to deal with this from the perspective of Proverbs chapter 4. And specifically, read with me here, starting in verse 23. We're going to deal with just a couple of verses here. I'm going to give you a little nerd time in just a moment. You know I'm a nerd with stuff, and I think it's important that we understand the Scripture and why it's written a certain way. But notice what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He sa- it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, let me kind of give you some thoughts here. That's, that's going to be our jumping off point. Then we're going to attack the rest of Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs is pieced together with different verses and different sayings. It's not always a continual thought, even though we're going to see that this morning. They're Proverbs. They're statements of wisdom. If you do this, this probably will happen. And it's good about living your life. And, and if you're ever looking for practical wisdom, dive into Proverbs. Now, another thing we need to understand is that the Bible is composed of two parts, right? Hebrews, or Hebrew, Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Y'all follow that so far? Hang with me for a second. This is going to make sense. Now, what we have to do is since none of you speak Greek and none of you speak Hebrew at the same time, we have to translate it into English. Agreed? Now, when I went to seminary and other people on staff went, and they call it seminary school, but that's basically seminary where you go and learn how to be a pastor, you study theology, we had to immerse ourselves in different languages. Do not ask me what it says. Do not ask me how to talk or speak about it, because here's the deal. I learned how to use really good books. That's what happened. But we translate those languages into English, and you have different translations. So what we preach out of is the New International Version. The reason we use that version is because most of you own that version. It used to be King James. King James is a poor translation because it translated from Greek to Latin and then English. So you miss something there. Does that make sense? So now we want English. So you have some great translations. New American Standard Bible, which is very academic and very structured. English Standard Version, which is also very structured but easier to read. Uh, some of you have uh, the New Living Translation, which is more of a story, and they tell you, and it's very easy to read. NIV does a good job, typically, and that's what I'm preaching out of this morning, of taking what we think in contemporary world and what it said in the ancient world and blending it together so we can understand it. You follow that so far? Now, with every translation, some are better and others at different parts. There's a reason I'm telling you all this. So, for instance, when you deal with the word love in the New Testament, there are four different Greek words for love. But we only got one, which is kind of a struggle for us when we translate it. So you need people to go and explain it. We come to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 23, and I say this all because this is not the best translation of this verse. What it really means, or what it means in its expansive detail from the Hebrew language, is that guard your heart with all vindication, because out of it flow the river of life, 
or the streams of life. You follow that so far? They just kind of shortened it down. And what this means, let's go back to the verse here, verse 23, back to NIV. It says, above all else, guard your heart. It's saying this, is that you and I need to make it a priority to guard the inner being of our mind and our heart, our emotions, our soul, and who we are with everything that we have. What comes out and what goes in. Now, for those of you who have been in prison before, or those of you who have visited a prison before, they took, take, take extreme precautions to keep people in, right? Maybe you've been in, maybe you've been a resident. I, I, we don't judge you here, but I've been in as a visitor, and <laughs> I swear, okay? Now, some of you are like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yes, as a visitor. Um, but when you go there, there's razor wire. There's guard towers with guys with guns. There's huge walls. There's state-of-the-art equipment to hear sounds and vibrations in the ground to see if someone's going to escape. My dad um, worked for the Department of Corrections with the state of Georgia, and he tells a story about how there were certain barbed wire, razor wire, and if a bird landed on it to cause a vibration, it set off a sensor, and everybody would rush there. I mean, there are all types of things and mechanisms to keep people in, but yet guys keep finding a way to escape because they got nothing else to do but think about that, right? So, but here's the deal. If you go into the prison to visit someone, they're going to ask for your ID. You're going to go through a metal detector. If you drive in with your car, they're going to put a mirror underneath to look around. When you leave, they're going to look again. They're going to check your trunk. They're going to check everything about you to make sure you're not bringing anything in. Make, make sense? And that's the idea of guarding your heart. It's to keep the things out, but also to keep the holiness or the things you might say in. It's your filter. And when we guard ourselves and specifically guard our marriages, the thing is we want to stand guard in such a way that we're keeping the attacks at a minimum, but the reality is you're going to get attacked, and keep the self-deprecating or the sinful thoughts and ideas within. Because what happens inside of your mouth and then comes out and what you say, sometimes it's not good, right? And so what we want to focus on this morning is how do we stand guard? How do we make sure that what we have in and what's coming from without is something that would protect specifically in the marriage relationship. Now, as we deal with this, I want you to understand that all these things that we struggle with and the attacks that we deal with many times come down to choices. The choices that you make have ramifications. Agreed? There was a story about in the 19, I believe it was in the 1920s or 1930s, farmers in the panhandle of Florida would go to a specific bank and the banker would come, and every year they would go and take a loan out for the seed that they were going to plant. The banker said, okay, there's a caveat in this. If you're going to take, make the choice to invest, to take a loan out from us, you're going to have to take out an extra loan and buy stock in Coca-Cola. Everybody was mad. Now, some of you know where I'm going, right? Because 50 years later, it had the greatest concentration of millionaires who were just poor farmers in the entire state of Florida. When you make a choice that's good, in many ways, that's a great investment and good things happen. And we're not talking about karma, we're talking about being smart about what we do. And when we make choices to guard ourselves and guard our relationships, things tend to go in a way that is Godward and it honors Him and it tightens the knot. So let's read a couple of choices that you get to make individually and as a couple that will tighten things and protect you. Remember, we're all about killing foxes right now, right? 
Now let's read through it. Go into Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go to verse 24. It says this, Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the past for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways and do not turn the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, here's a couple things. Choice number one, choose your words carefully. What you say matters. Does that make sense? What you say matters. How you say it matters. Sometimes you don't need to say what you think. Agreed? Everybody should say yes right there because there's, there's a lot of things that I think that I know I should never, ever say. But what you say matters. In your relationship with your spouse, words do cut. The greatest lie you were ever told was sticks and stones will break my bones, but what? Words, words do hurt, y'all. And you and I choosing to say the right things or not say the wrong things is a big part of keeping harmony in the relationship. Now, I'm not saying don't say the difficult things. I'm not saying don't confront because you got to sometimes. It's important to say that. It's important to speak your mind. But go back to what it says here. Go back to verse 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Basically, there's a couple of phrases in here we need to understand. Don't be crooked, don't be, don't be deceitful, or don't be perverse. Understand what perverse means. It's the opposite of what is right. It's an impulsive decision saying, I'm going to say something that contradicts everything that is good and right. And there's a lot of perversity that comes out of our mouths, right? There's a lot of things. And, and what's so interesting is that when we deal with this, even from a very basic point of view, go back to verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. And notice what happens. From your heart, from your soul, from your being, flow. Um, it says, um, verse 23, for everything you do flows from it or flows the rivers or the streams of life. Now, James has an interesting thought on this. Go to the New Testament in James. We'll throw it up here. In James chapter 3, he makes this very clear for us as we deal with uh, what we say. Specifically, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it generates great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and in itself on fire by hell. Does that make sense to you guys? Is that true? A little further here. Notice what happens in verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Yet, verse 8, but no human being has been able to tame the tongue. Agreed? Now, some of you are quiet, and some of us are loud. But, taming the tongue, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With a tongue, we praise our Lord. And notice what it says in verse 9. With a tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and, we, and with it, we curse human beings. Is that true? I mean, we just sang some beautiful worship songs, did we not? But boy, later on today, we're going to say, did you hear what that preacher said? <laughs> Who have made, who've been made in God's image, those fellow human beings. Out of the same mouth, verse 10, come praise and cursings, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, verse 11 is what I want you to get. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear, bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. If Christ is in your life, let what comes out of your mouth glorify him. And what you say to your spouse, honor him. So these are the choices we make. Now, I don't know what you got to do. I don't know what I know what I have to do to keep my mouth shut. Sometimes I have to walk away. Sometimes it's how I start my day. But the choices we make matter. Protect your relationship by choosing your words carefully. Number two, choose your path carefully. Choose your path carefully. What does this mean? Let's read a little further here. Proverbs chapter 4. We've already read this once, but notice what happens here, starting in verse 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the path for your feet, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or left. Keep your foot from evil. Basically, the path you choose is going to determine it's going to determine a lot for you in your relationship, agreed? And that path needs to be considered for those of you who are thinking about getting married, even based upon who you marry. One of the things that I make sure that when I do a wedding, I make a couple, and they sometimes hate it, go through premarital counseling. Because that's the time you decide if this is legit or not. And I would even encourage you who are thinking about getting married, before you engage, you're engaged, before you pay the deposit on the dress, before you get the caterer and the flowers and you've invested all this money and you feel like you've got to marry this person, if you're thinking about getting married to a person, go get premarital counseling. It is cheaper. Amen? <laughs> Work through this stuff. Work through how you're going to do a budget together. Work, I mean, it's, it blows my mind. I have a couple's coming to the office and they haven't even agreed if they're having kids or not. Deal with that. Make the right choices there. And then as a couple, choose the right pathway of you're going to follow, how you're going to live, what you're going to do, who you're going to honor. You see, we're all about choices here. And many times, there's, two, there's basically the guys are looking for a princess to rescue. And the girls are looking for a knight in shiny armor, right? None of those exist. None of those exist. Rapunzel cuts her hair, and the guy's armor rusts. And it's unfair to the other person to have that type of expectation because they will never live up to it. And so when we think through this, and we have different choices and different things, think carefully about who you're going to marry. Think carefully about the pathway you choose. Many people, I think there's four categories that we're tempted by to walk down a path. One is the pathway we want to choose happiness above everything else. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? If I can just be happy. Well, what is happiness? Is it good health? Because that's not going to last forever. Is it a good economy? Obviously, that's not going to last forever. Is it nice things? That, that is a, a pathway that typically finds itself wanting. Another choice we make is that we're looking for purpose. We're looking for something to live for. Well, let's have kids. That's something to live for. They're going to move out one day. We hope. <laughs> let's choose the purpose of a career or hobby but those run its course then we choose this pathway of success as I can just be successful but listen to me the accolades are going to stop one day and success if that's what we're driven by is going to fall incredibly short there's also the pathway of beauty is that we can have you all have a bucket list place you want to go to right 
You, you know, what I, y'all, y'all talked about this before. I was having this conversation with my son. I said, well, what's on your bucket list? And he's like, the pyramids, man. I want to go stand in the pyramids of Egypt. I sound great. You're going by yourself. <laughs> I want to sit on a hill in Scotland and look at the northern lights. That sounds cool to me. And some of you got some different places where you want to go. But all beauty is fading and it gets old. You will have people that come here and think how beautiful, but it's just normal for you, right? So there has to be more. And when we choose pathways, we have to choose something that supersedes everything else. That joy or happiness, that purpose, that success, and that beauty. Something that's eternal and lasts forever. And what Bible, the Bible calls us to choose is Jesus. And so here's my, my question for you. We need the wellspring of life. And Jesus says this in John chapter 7, verse 38. Going, and it, he's referring Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, whoever believes in me, Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Here's the point. Is if we're choosing something that's life-giving, do you choose that for yourself? Do you choose that for your family, for your marriage? Where is your life built? What is sustaining you? So you protect your, your relationship by choosing the path carefully. Number three. Notice, go back to verse 23 here. It says this, Above all else, guard your heart. Now you see that word heart there, and that means the seat of the emotions and all of your intellect and your entire beating, be, being. Now, if you go to different places in the world, they'll, they'll say, you, we'll, we'll say things, I love you with all my what? Heart. But there's some places that are going to say, I love you with both kidneys. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> but that's the seat of the emotion here, and we understand it like that. It's how we think, what we do, how we feel, and what, where, who we are as a person. And what the Scripture is saying here is it guard that. And the choice we have to make is simply this, is we choose our thoughts carefully. We choose our thoughts. We're going to guard our hearts. We've got to guard what we think. We've got to guard what comes in. We've got to guard what we see. We've got to guard what we feel. We've got to protect ourselves, protect our relationships. And the reality is we don't really protect that very well sometimes, do we? I'm not saying build walls, but what I'm saying is guard what comes in because I see two typical problems happen. Just based on experience here, it's two syndromes. One is the grass is always greener syndrome. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, this is something we're really good at because we'll see something happening on the other side of the road, on the other side of town, and specifically on social media, and we're like, well, it must be better there. And it's not always the case. My wife has a great illustration for this. She says, you know, everybody idealizes a picnic, but if you zoom in closer on the picture, you'll see the ants. It's true, right? So do we have that syndrome? The other part, and we got to understand this, is the root of bitterness syndrome. Is that we have all these issues and we're bitter or something's happened in the past or somebody said something and we get really bitter and we're not guarding our thoughts there. And so instead of thinking in a way that would glorify God or edify our spouse, we're just thinking of the ways they frustrate us. You been there? And here's the point. And this is what we got to get, get, get to. Dwell on the godly stuff. Yeah, confront. And yeah, you need to argue. You need to argue in a way that honors the Lord. But here's the deal. Choose your thoughts carefully. Number four, choose what you see. Choose what you see. And do it carefully. Because what you see 
impacts who you are. Now, let's deal with it from this perspective. It's the idea of lust. Now, let's go back to the passage of Scripture here. It says in verse 25, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And the whole imagery there is focusing on the Lord and what he's doing. But what we gaze at is typically what we lust over. I see it from two different perspectives. This is a sweeping generalization. I get that. I know it's not detailed, and I know it might not fit you, but I'm talking about percentages, okay? Guys deal with things that tempt physically, and that's why there's such a pornography epidemic, and ladies deal with what is idealistic and relationally fulfilling. And many times, that's what is lusted after. And so we have to be very careful. So what may be tempting to a guy online, what is tempted to, what, and, and that's a very real thing, what tempts a girl may be simply those things that you see online like, hey, my child just got honor roll. And my response is, my child can beat yours up. You know, that kind of stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about there, right? It's the ideal. It's the reality of what we struggle with in day-to-day -day life. And we have to be very careful because neither of those ideals exist in what we see. So guard what you see and what you yearn for. But how do we do this? How do we make this simply a thing that, you know, I'm going to guard what I see, what I think, what I'm guarding in my heart, what I say? That's a big deal. How do I do this? Proverbs chapter 9. Great answer here. Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verse 10. We're just going to do one verse here. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now let's leave this verse on the screen. What does this mean? Very simply, it begins with a relationship. And when you have a reverent relationship with Jesus, things change. That's what that means. It doesn't mean be afraid of. It means to honor. That's more important that's more important than my relationship. That's more important than my spouse, than my job, than the success, than the northern lights, or anything else in my life, is I'm going to fear the Lord. And that's going to be the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom's going to make me, right, make me have the right choices to where I'm choosing to keep my mouth shut. I'm choosing to avert my eyes. I'm choosing to write the, go on the right pathway. I'm choosing these things because I belong to the Lord. That's where it begins with. Y'all with me on this? So practically speaking, let me give you a couple of things here. Number one, practically, pray daily for your spouse. To protect your relationship, choose to pray daily for your spouse. That's number one. When we're choosing to pray for the person we're married to, and, and all others for that matter, but choose to pray daily for your spouse. What are their prayer needs? How are you bringing it before the Lord? You know, here's the wrong way. Lord, I just pray. <laughs> that he, you know, whatever. That's the wrong way, all right? But praying for the openness of the Lord that God would work in their life, that there's some things that need to be ministered to, the things that they're dealing with, that there's problems, there are attacks, because their attacks are going to be different than your attacks. Pray for them. Here's a great action step with this. There's something called the Echo app you can put on your phone and confidentially write down these, these prayer requests in this app, and just wherever you are, you can scroll through them. Echo app. We'll put that on the screen right now. You can look at it. Take a picture of it. Make sure you put that on your phone, and it's a great way to begin to pray for people. Very simple. I've been using it for years. Number two, second practical step is this. Know what Scripture says. When, when you know what Scripture says, when you understand what Scripture says, 
you can apply what scripture says right i mean you've heard that passage of scripture cleanliness is next to what that ain't in the bible so leave your bed unmade <laughs> see i just freed you from something this morning isn't that great <laughs> know what scripture says so you can apply what scripture says and a lot of times we don't even know where to begin well we're going to teach you four times this year we're offering something called engaging river hills engaging at river hills and the next one is going to be february 18th i believe february 25th i'm sorry on february 25th we're doing something called engaging river hills where we're going to teach you how to read your bible and how to study it sound good because most of us don't know where to begin sign up for that on your connect guardian worship folder number three surround yourself with those who can build you up surround yourself look you got people in your life who are going to tear you down and they don't do it intentionally but they're not an encouragement to your relationship are they surround yourself with the people who are going to build you up who are going to pour into your relationship i say this at every wedding because i think it's such a special thing when you got married you had a guest book right people signed that guest book most people they're doing it in creative ways now they're putting it on balloons or staplers or whatever it may be but that's an ancient tradition that when people signed that document, they were saying, we're going to do everything in our power that that couple makes it. Surround yourself. Surround yourself with people who are going to pour into your marriage. I'm going to give you one extra step with this. I want to challenge you to be a part of our Grace Marriage small group starting February 18th. Because you can't do this on your own. Find people who struggle like you struggle and need encouragement like you you can go online and um you can go online and sign up for that you can do it on your connect card it begins february 18th uh if you need a scholarship we've got that taken care of but put people in your life to surround you and encourage you number four here we go i want to see if you can get this one communicate 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 does that make sense the more you communicate man there's a more openness in that relationship and that protects you instead of assuming what they think ask communicate now some of you are like chip you have no idea i get up at four in the morning and then i drive an hour and a half one way and go to work and i get back and i'm exhausted and then i've got rugrats everywhere and by the time we finally fall over into bed asleep any of y'all relate to this or maybe used to relate to this by the time we get together and can actually be alone all i want to do is eat popcorn and csi and go to bed y'all with me on that here's the deal you've got to take the time to sit down and communicate daily it has to be a priority my parents raised three kids in the non-internet age but i will never forget my mom sitting at the corner of the at the baseball field where you see she could see all three fields where one kid was practicing one kid was playing and one kid was waiting and we would show up at five o'clock and end at 10 o'clock y'all remember those I mean, i'll never forget that with my mom and dad and i was like when are they because we were a lot you think i'm a lot me my other two we were a lot to deal with but i'll never forget the coolest thing is we didn't have to clean up the kitchen after dinner because mom and dad did it together and that's where they communicated You've got to find the places and the ways to communicate. Y'all with me? Last thing, pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. And what we mean by that is that you're going to have a lot of choices you're going to have to make as a couple, and you're going to have a lot of choices you're going to make individually, even about your relationship. Praying that God would give you the wisdom necessary to follow through in those. James chapter 1, verse 5, God makes this promise to us. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you.
isn't that a good isn't that a good promise ask for it i spend most of my days asking for a lot of wisdom the attack of pearl harbor that ignited the united states in the world war ii japanese suddenly attacked at dawn people were asleep sailors were in their bunk people were going to churches all types of things that they were ready for everything but war and legend has it that the admiral admirable admiral not admirable admiral yamamoto wrote or said this about the united states after they successfully attacked pearl harbor he says i fear we have awoken a sleeping giant have you heard that before we don't know if that's true or not but as i dwell on that and as a history nerd why was the giant asleep So many people have researched and they've observed and been critical about the attack, but truth be told, here's the problem. We were not on guard. We weren't ready. Right? Listen. You have everything going against you in your marriage. Be on guard. Get up in your watchtower and be ready to shoot the little foxes. Make sure... The Bible promises there is a lion that prowls and is ready to devour. But here's a good thing. There is a greater lion that protects you. Fall in with him. Rely on him. And so the question I'm asking this morning, in your marriage, in you personally, are you submitting to that? Do you have your place, do you have your marriage in a place where you guys are submitting to the lion that roars and wins and protects you? Are you individually in that position? Do we have Jesus in your life? You've asked him to come into your life and you're forgiven and you are solid in your foundation. Is that you? And if that's not you today and this morning, I want to encourage you one of two things. One, on that connect card inside of your worship folder, take a few moments, read over it. There's a box you can check that says, today I want to know Jesus, I want to get baptized. Check those boxes, put your name on and phone number on there and we'll collect those in just a few moments. You can also text in the phrase, I need Jesus to the number on the screen. But take a few moments, acknowledge where your relationship is. Maybe have a conversation when you get home and say, you know what, this is where I need to be. If you're single, look, you need to start thinking about this pathway you're on. And if you want to get married or not, who are you going to choose? That's important, right? Making sure your standards are high so that you're protecting even from the very beginning.